1: Pace with Alex and Alexa Alex and Fauci Alex and Alex, if I put our jacks in the paint How you gon' stop me, how you gon' stop me how We can go head be- to head Call out your top three, call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton run the point. This is a benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one
2: podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop.
1: Smooth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Face. It's been a while since I've been on the show. I was gone for a couple of days, busy. Fachi was holding down the fort, but um, he is out doing uncle duties right now, visiting his nephew for the first time. So congrats to him. We're not going to make any Wizards jokes tonight. Um, I did one on Twitter. I tagged Fachi when I saw Michael Scotto. Uh, reported that the the Wizards had signed somebody to an exhibit 10 deal so I just tagged Fachi in that tweet just so he could keep up with everything going on there but no Wizards jokes today but joining me um you guys usually hear him with uh, another co-host but it's just me and uh, my friend David today so David thanks so much for coming on man
2: no problem man thanks for having me I am excited to to talk on setting the pace again as always
1: yeah it's a it's obviously a downtime football season just kicked off and uh the Colts finally didn't lose in the first time in a long time but uh i don't know if you want to kind of tie as anything exciting but uh
2: it felt like a loss
1: and Chip <laughs> kicked yeah. himself out of Indianapolis and uh yeah so it's uh, it's actually crazy though because by the time most people are listening to this we are 3 weeks away from our first preseason wow. game it's almost here ladies and gentlemen training camp will be here in about 2 weeks so we're getting ready but obviously you guys know that the 2k ratings came out um over the week or the weekend last week, somewhere, sometime. I didn't really uh, look at them before doing this exercise. And so I was kind of curious. I'm like, you know what? I wonder how they're going to rank their uh, the roster for the Pacers based on the overall rating. So I, I, I messaged David. I was like, hey, if i going to be out of town, would you like to do a podcast with me where we rate the Pacers from 1 to 15 in terms of how we think they are overall talent-wise? Um, so it's going to be a little bit tricky here with having three rookies on the team. We are going to be projecting a little bit. Um, I I do know that I'm sure you all are aware that 2K did kind of uh, have a lot of the rookies low coming into this year. So we're going to do our list back and forth here, starting at 15, working our way up to one. And we're going to compare them at the end, not only to each other, but to what 2K had. So I guess, David, I'll let you start off at 15. Who did you have as, unfortunately, the worst (laughs) player right
2: now the <laughs> so i'm not sure if i would necessarily say the worst so we're talking about just talent right yeah potential to some extent and whenever i make a list especially with if, if it's a you know more than five or six things and even in five or six things sometimes i like to do kind of like tier by tier yeah so i will take so i took looked at our roster and i said okay who are the few people who in my opinion are in contention for that bottom spot and then I just ranked those people and then moved on up to the next tier and then ranked those few people. And so that kind of helped me organize it a little bit. So i had two people in the bottom tier, so I'll be interested to see if you don't have either one of them as your 15. But for my 15, I went with the person that I had the most uncertainties on, the most question marks on, that has a lot of potential, but is really unproven and really uncertain. And that's Kendall Brown.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm right there with you on 15 because as we know right now he's on a two-way contract he's not even technically on the Pacers 50 man roster based on the one report that we heard from Zach Pearson so there's nothing really been said about Kendall Brown at all from the Pacers where he's at I, I think the fact that he is uh you know the third pick in the second round their third pick in the draft I should say second pick in the for yeah. the Pacers in the second round they traded up to get him um you know I I liked his upside more than Nimhard but after watching him in summer league, you can obviously see he's got a lot of holes in, in his game. And so right now, with him not being on the roster, uh, like you said, a lot of potential for, for, you know, like five years from now, you could put him potentially at top five if he pans out. But right now, as a as a rookie with all of the holes that he has in his game that he's going to have to work on, I think it's only fair to put him at the bottom because he's got a lot to prove.
2: Yeah, that was my reasoning exactly.
1: So let's move on to 14. Uh, are we, are we keeping the same theme here with the rookies?
2: My 14 is, is, is Nembhard. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my, my reasoning in putting Nembhard over Kendall Brown was just the sheer fact that for one, you have a lot bigger sample size in college. And two, I can see a clearly defined role for him in, yeah. the, in, in the next few years. Right. So McConnell won't be here forever. Um, I mean, I would be surprised if he was here more than a couple of years, and then maybe at that point, if Namhard can develop the way that we think he can, he can he can slot into that backup point guard role pretty nicely. Just the fact that I could see a future for him, and the potential of, like, yeah, you haven't really proved anything yet, but you had more of a sample size in college than you did for Kendall Brown, played for a lot of good teams in college, um... You kind of just gave me a reason to bump him just a little bit. I mean, we're talking 15-14 here, so yeah. it isn't like it's that big of a deal. Both these guys in a few years could easily be higher than that. It's just a matter of do they pan out to their um, like their potential.
1: Yeah, I think one of the reasons why you have to put him over Brown is, number one, the Pacers did sign him to the largest you know contract for a second-round pick in NBA history. So you have to give him that because you know he's going to at least be here for four years, given a chance to really – kind of solidify himself on the roster. Not really sure if he's going to be in the rotation at all to start the season. Um, he talked to us on the podcast about potentially playing in the G League because he knows that that might be where he gets more of an opportunity. We also know that he is not a great shooter. So this is something that kind of puts him down the list for me a little bit because yeah. if you're a guard and you can't shoot, that is problematic. And we do have another guard hey, TJ. on the roster. TJ McConnell, (laughs) who has the same problem, but TJ does so many other things so well. Yes, yes. And I don't think Nimhart is quite there yet in terms of developing those skills. But who better to learn from than TJ? You you hope that he can. He has six six foot five, so that's pretty nice size for a guard, um, especially a point guard. So I'm kind of curious to see what he does and how he grows. But right now, I just feel like there's a larger sample size from everybody else on the roster where you can make a case that they're better. So this is where it could get interesting now. Um, I felt like the two rookies in the second round were easy, 15, 14, for me. Um, This is tough at 13, David. I'm curious to see what you have, but for me, this was a tough one.
2: So this is where the next step in the tier went. The first tier was just, okay, Here are your rookies or second rounders. They're very unproven. The next tier is the next three guys for me, and they're all young and unproven but do have some NBA experience. But they either are unproven to some extent or they um have some holes in their games. So do you want me to go and do my my thirteen there? Yes, or? give me your okay. thirteen. <laughs> so my thirteen is Nee Smith. Okay. And I know you're I know you're a fan, and I, I could be totally turned around by him. Um I would love to see him make a Jalen Smith esque turn, like you know, like Jalen did last year for us, yeah. where he has more opportunity, has a system that works better for him. But given what we saw in summer league, And given what he did for Boston last year, which, you know, not a perfect situation for him, but that's all you have to go off of is what he's done so far. Uh, If he is a shooter that can't shoot, then I don't know what's... He he might be a decent defender, but, like, he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity to do that. So that's the question mark, is if he can be a, a, a decent defender and if his shot can bounce back, then all of a sudden he has to jump up several spots, I think, But because it's so unproven to me, I couldn't push him higher than 13.
1: Yeah, so did you say you had three players in this tier, Young? Three, yeah. So we might be on the same tier here because I kind of broke it down in tiers too. Cool. Um, So I will say that Neesmith is not in my top 10. I'm not going to say where he's at exactly, but (laughs) um, for 13, this is not where I had Neesmith. This is actually where I had Terry Taylor. Okay. Um, And the reason I put Taylor here is obviously because – He just got signed to a one-year deal, was part of the G League last year. He came up to Indiana when really they were tanking. Um, You know, we saw some really positive minutes from him for sure. A really great rebounder. Obviously, I do believe in his game overall and think he can get better, but he's got to work on that outside shot, and he's got to figure out what position he actually is because – there was times last year when he played the five, but he's only six foot five. So he's not going to be a sustainable, you know, five man in today's NBA now. He could play the four some, but I just feel like we're kind of loaded right now at that position at the five and the four. We're trying to get playing time for guys like, you know, Smith and Isaiah Jackson and Brissett and yep. even Goga to a certain degree. And you got Miles as well. So it's going to be hard for him to see the floor. I just kind of wonder, um, you know, I, I, I like his ceiling is. To me, he's got room to grow if he can become, like he talked about, like that Draymond Green type of defender, that type of player. But right now I would say sample size, it's tough because I felt like even in the G League, there was – not G League, Summer League, I felt like he outplayed Isaiah Jackson at times. But I, I think for me, just there's a little bit more of a sample size from the other two players that I had ahead of him in this tier. So that's why I put him there. But it was like really close for me.
2: Yeah. I think I I definitely understand that I have Terry Taylor at twelve. Okay. So just one spot higher than you, um, and my argument for that would only be, number one, he excels at something, right? And and NeSmith does not. Um, now Neesmith could NeSmith could be an excellent three point shooter. He did it in college, but he has not yet done it in the, in the pros. And so if he turns that around, then I'll eat my words and I'll be wrong. But Terry Taylor is an excellent rebounder. Um, he's like I think that. When Tony broke down, Tony East broke down the 2K rankings. He's he said, "I'm pretty sure that he's the highest rated offensive rebounding guard in 2K," <laughs> which is really funny he's not, a, he's not at all a guard, but he they have him as a guard when he's six five. So just the fact that he had something that I was like, "Well, he is an excellent fill in the blank," and Niswath is not an excellent of anything. Um, and I would love to be wrong. So if he hears this, I, prove me wrong, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the other thing was. I think said does have a higher ceiling. So that's yeah. part of why I'm okay with him being a little higher. But I also think he has a lower floor.
1: Yeah. So that, well, that's,
2: that variance is kind of scary.
1: So I will say this about Smith real quick, because I'll touch on him when I get to him here in a second. Yeah. But I will just say this. You know, you talked about Taylor being a lead at one thing, which is rebounding. I wonder how much of Smith's situation being on a team trying to win in Boston kind of limited his production. Yeah, because. Fair. Think about a guy like Aaron Holiday. Um, this is a guy that really the Pacers are trying to win games, and he was still pretty young and you know needed some time to grow and just never really got that opportunity. Then he goes to Washington and really didn't get any opportunity there. Same with Phoenix. So I think sometimes guys getting drafted to the wrong spot can kind of hurt their overall development. But I think because you know Neesmith is coming to a team where he knows he's going to have a chance to develop and they won't have as much pressure to be like, Oh, I got to play great to keep my spot in the rotation. It's going to be a little bit easier and more comfortable for him, I think, to to kind of hone his skills in a little bit better. That's that's why I'm really kind of high on him and I'm also just high on guys that can guard multiple positions because I that's feel fantastic. like he's a better wing defender than, you know, Terry Taylor and there's potential that you could put him in your best five defensive players if you wanted to potentially put them out there with a guy like you know Duarte, Halliburton, Turner, and then whoever you want to put at the four whether it's O'Shea, Ijax, Jalen, whatever Uh, it's hard to figure out the perfect starting five for defensive purposes but he could be in the mix there so um, I don't have him at 12 I have him at 11 I'll go ahead and spoil that one but for me at 12 this is where I have Goga Batadze
2: okay so and you have I, him at eleven, right? I have him at eleven,
1: yeah. So let's let's <laughs> so talk same, about Goga
2: here. So it's the same three players that we have. We just have a little bit different order. So to me, um, this is how I always view things in tiers. And as long as you're within the same tier, then like we're not even really going to have a disagreement necessarily. Uh, for Goga, I just think like I can see potential for him in multiple areas. Whereas Terry Taylor is like, you are a great rebounder, and you're going to be kind of fringe at everything else. Neesmith, I'm like, you could be a great defender. You could be a great three-point shooter. So there's two things that you could be good at, but you're not really great at either one of them yet. For Goga, he is, like, if Miles is gone, he's probably our best post-defender. Like, yeah, which is, overall. Yeah. Which is not good. He, not that he's good, but he is, like, the next best one other than Miles, which yeah. is kind of scary, but also he's not terrible as a post-defender. He fouls too much, but he that's the kind of thing that with the more experience, maybe that would get worked out Um, he's a good shot blocker he's an inconsistent shooter but the potential is there like if I'm going to credit Neesmith for being potentially a good shooter then like Goga has it in him we've seen him do it in um, in his time overseas so it's like there's a potential there and he's in a position that like could get more playing time like if we trade Miles and don't bring back a center which seems likely then it's Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson and then Goga Right. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot of shine if Miles is gone.
1: Yeah. No, Goku is an interesting player because it's like
2: <laughs> he's an enigma.
1: It, it, you know, honestly, it's kind of similar to what I said about Aaron Holiday, just never got the time to develop here. Mm-hmm. Really had some weird stuff with his visa, not being able to play in the Summer League. And then, same issue. Like, I think he had like a parent pass away, it might have been his father or
2: something. Something like that. Yeah.
1: In the Summer League last year. And then, obviously, playing with Eurobasket this year gets into that altercation. Um, but even on the court, though, in the Euro basket, there's like some plays where you're like, Goga looks really good. Like, he's got soft touch. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a bad passer. I think he sees the floor better than people give him credit for. Um, honestly, the three point shot, it looks good, but it never goes in. So until it does, I don't really know if he's ever going to be a real threat from out there. But, you know, probably one of the better shot blockers on the team. Like, you know, I- Isaiah Jackson, Miles Turner, and Goga, you- you've got some pretty good shot blocking ability there. Um, he's got the size. I just feel like, you know, what the role they ask him to play for the Pacers is not what I think his best skill sets are.
2: That's fair, um, yeah.
1: And it's it's not his fault, but it's just kind of like, they're going to be playing a lot faster, and I just wonder how well he's going to play with that. Um, you brought up Tony. Him and Red did a great podcast talking about, like, who fits best with Halliburton and putting them in tiers. Yeah, and they had Goga a little bit higher than I did. I had him in the bottom. I just can't really see, like, you know, Tyrese is going to make everybody better. But- yes, I just don't personally think Goga is a good fit with him because Goga isn't a guy that's going to want to play fast up and down pace. Can't really shoot from outside. Isn't a super low post threat either. Like he's just sure. kind of there. So yeah, um, you know sets decent screens, but still needs to get better at that. He gets yeah. too frustrated. I think that's one of the problems I have with him as well. Um, yeah. You know, some people like that, and I don't hate it all the way, but sometimes he doesn't know how to control his emotions. And it kind of gets the better of him. Sometimes he gets frustrated, like the the technical foul that he got against Gary Payton after he dunked on him and, like, headbutted him in Golden State last year, got ejected from the game. So, you know, there's just little things like that with Goga that keep me from, uh, you know, it was tough for me to put him even, you know, ahead of Taylor. But I think overall he's got more skills set. first-round pick. Um, but that's kind of how I looked at these guys too was where they were drafted I know that's really bad to do but it's hard not to <laughs> like Mee Smith yeah. was a lottery guy where Goku yeah. was like right before pick 20 I think so um, yeah but any other final thoughts on those three players before I move on
2: no I think that it's it's interesting we, I'll be curious to see the next tier but so far we've been kind of lockstep more or less So
1: yeah more or less Um, you know a little bit of difference but not too much because I think we are looking at it in a
0: tier stance as well Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Uh, Number 10. I think we might be in agreement on here too, but I'm curious who you have.
2: So my 10 and my nine, those are my next tier. And these are the, these are the veterans for lack of a better term. So we're you're laughing, so we're in lockstep. I think so my number my number 10 is Daniel Tice.
1: Yeah, that's who I have. Okay.
2: <laughs> so for, for 10, and then obviously the listeners should be able to fill in the blank who nine is. For both of these players, though, I looked at, they may not be excellent at anything. And TJ obviously is the my nine. He is really great in a couple of things. That's why I put him above Tice. But I mean, having a veteran now, obviously, in this in our situation, is not really going to be what we need. But if we were, like, three or four years ago, a first-round team that's trying to get out of the first round, having someone like Tice where you're like, hey, so-and-so is really struggling defensively against this guy, you know, this forward or this big three. There's so many big threes in the league right now. You know, why don't we put, put Tice on him, try to body him up a little bit, rough him up a little bit, give him, give him a hard time, make him work for it. And he's really good at that. He's better... Offensively, than you would think, and not, not that he's good, but he's better mid range than you would think. Um, he's just a scrappy, like, veteran, the, the epitome of like that scrappy forward that just drives you crazy when he's not on your team. And we finally have him, so that's kind of why I had him at 10.
1: Yeah, that's where I had him too. And I had McConnell's nine, at nine as well, which was just yeah. so funny because once again, <laughs> we're looking at tears, and that's what I did in my head. And I told you this didn't take me too long to kind of like come up with on the top of my head. Made a few tweaks before we got on the show, but like, I was like, no, nah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, um, personally, for me, when it comes to when it comes to Tice, like, I would say right now, you can make the case that he's obviously better than Isaiah Jackson right now as a player.
2: Yeah, you can.
1: But when you're looking at overall talent and like kind of projecting, because that's the thing you're with some of these young guys, you have to project a little bit. And, and that's what makes this exercise a little bit challenging. But I feel like with Tyus, like, you saw in Houston last year, he was not valuable at all. And Boston clearly wanted to get rid of Dennis Schroeder. He was a negative for their team. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to bring in another veteran guy. And it's funny, Brad Stevens basically went after all the guys that Danny Ainge traded away uh, once he took back over. So it's kind of like, okay, he knows what these guys can do. And then Tice comes in and played a pivotal role for the the Celtics. That last part of the season, even as a backup center, I think he might have got a few starts here and there with injuries, but mostly as a backup, he even played in the playoffs. And um, we, we saw where he had his limitations in the playoffs as well. True. And that's kind of why he's lower in this tier, because yes, he could play in a, in, a, in a a playoff series, probably like the first round, maybe the second as like your ninth man. But other than that, you probably don't want him out there too, too much because he will get exposed by some of these quicker guards like that and switches and stuff like that. So sure. like you said, if this team was really trying to compete for the playoffs, he's a very nice insurance big man just to have on your roster foul trouble. It's so kind of filling that Kyle O'Quinn role that he had
2: but better had, probably.
1: But yeah. yeah, when we had Sabonis and Turner here, uh, you know, O'Quinn had a pretty good year before that, I think with the Knicks or maybe the the magic one of the two um, and the Pacers brought him in. So you know, I, I think that Tice here at 10x last, since the McConnell at nine, it's just like he's a really good player. And yeah, we all know that, but there's such a ceiling for what he can do. And he's already, you know, pretty much pushed through his ceiling a couple of years ago when he led the league in steals. So,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: he's not a shooter, but he can pass the ball incredibly well, gets others involved, makes them better. Very small. So, he really can't go de- defend anybody besides ones. Um, if you switch him on to 2s and 3s and 4s he's going to try his best but he's going to get bullied because he's just not big enough but i think overall like if you're just looking at talent wise um he's got with when you put like what he does and what he means to the team with with his skill set i mean he just is more valuable than the guys behind him um might even be more valuable than some of the guys ahead of him but talent wise he does have some limitations
2: yeah that's exactly what i what i would say just the he is excellent at what he can be and then there's has some limitations uh I mean like you've already said it so I, I don't I don't, I don't want to repeat you too much right. but that's why I have him above everyone else is that he is very very good as a passer very good uh the steals the league obviously <laughs> so like those two things he has over everybody below him and right. then, for me the people ahead of him either have a skill that's more valuable or they're just way more uh, potential, way more, like, projected value going forward.
1: Absolutely, David. So I think now would be a good time to move on into our top eight. Uh, Let's go to number eight and just slowly work our way down. I don't know if you have another tier list here.
2: So my there's only two tiers left, the top four and then five through eight. So five through eight, and this is where it kind of breaks down. So the top four is just, like, these are the people I think are the most talented top four players, Yeah. and then the five through eight is just, like, everybody else okay <laughs> uh, there's not really like a theme to it necessarily and i can be per- persuaded really within this tier any way you you would want to go okay but i have reasons why i put them where i put them but um i'm not like locked in like this has to be number eight and this has to be number six my number eight is o'shea set okay i think that might be a little low but my reasoning on him being a and not higher is he has all this potential um and I think he could be even like maybe four, <laughs> but we have yet to see it really totally come to fruition for more than a little flash here and there. And not all that's on his on his shoulders. Some of that's because he was benched randomly or didn't start the year in the right role, maybe, and things like that. But he, um, there are other people. Everyone, everyone ahead of him, I can see a really clear path, and he's one that like if they want to start him at the three, then they have to bench both Buddy and or Duarte Benedict. If they want to put him at the four, they've already promised Jalen the four. So he's coming off the bench. Yeah. And then that's fine. But he's coming off the bench. So then how many minutes is he going to get? And are they going to look to give Neesmith some more minutes to like really go full tank? Are they going to want to get a you know feel like so they're going to have to balance these minutes. I mean Terry Taylor has to get some minutes somewhere. And I can see him getting shortchanged a little bit. And it's happened in the past. It happened last year for a little while too. And whenever he gets the more time, he does mostly show that he's very talented. But he's kind of one of those like like jack-of-all-trades kind of guys, right? Mm-hmm. There's not anything that he's really like exceptional at. And so that's why I kind of have him a little bit lower than everybody else.
1: Yeah, and so I don't have him too much um, higher than you. I don't have him at eight. This is where we okay. are a little bit different. This is where I have Isaiah Jackson.
2: Okay. So I
1: don't sense. I don't know uh where you have him at, but we'll get there. I will just say this about Isaiah Jackson. Putting him at eight, I felt like I was being a little bit disrespectful to him <laughs> just because I'm I'm trying not to project guys that I've already seen at least one year from. Uh the only players I really try to project were the rookies. In and that way. was kind of the hard part. So I'm just looking at Isaiah Jackson now. I don't think he's big enough to play the five on a full-time basis, and I don't think that he's got enough skill set right now to play the four consistently. I mean, there's times when he can do it, but I just feel like he's in this weird spot where he's going to really have to establish that three-point shot. Um, He's going to have to be a little bit better switching. I I think that we like the idea of him, him being like this great switching on one through five. Well, it's not really that right now. Um, There's potential for it to be there, and I know that Carlisle loves his defense. And you know, you've heard me talk about it on this show a lot, like him blocking jump shots. Like we've seen that before. I think he's good at that, but I think it's going to be difficult for him. Um, I even saw it in the summer league, like when he gets switched on in like a pick and roll situation. Um, He tries to use his speed and length to recover, but sometimes you just, you know, you can't use your athleticism all the time in the NBA. Uh, because everybody else is athletic. So yeah. I, I really like his skill set, though, as like a great screen and roller, probably the best dive guy on the team in terms of being a lob threat, you know, being that roller. But he just needs to add some weight and add more of a offensive game to him because, like, he's not really a low-post guy either, similar to Goga. Uh, you're looking basically for him for, like, lobs and dump-offs and then maybe some, ju- some jump shots. I'm not really sure we can even say he could put the ball on the floor. So that, for me, is why I have him down a little bit overall. But defensively, like, it's, there's a lot of potential there. So like, he's a guy, like you said, with O'Shea, he could probably jump up into the top four if he reaches all of his peaks. But for me, looking at him right now, I just feel like um, O'Shea has a little bit more in his arsenal in terms of bags of tricks. And I think offensively, O'Shea is really gifted. And we saw what he did in the season last year against the Nets. Going toe to toe with Kevin Durant, a very close game, you know, where they're trying to win so they can get the seventh seed. We're trying to beat them so they can be the eighth seed and help the Cavs. You know, we're we're really trying um, to a certain degree. And, you know, O'Shea is probably the only guy that can guard wings and, you know, fours and then threes and potentially twos based on his size. So that's yeah. where I had O'Shea is at seven. Um, just wanted okay. to put that out there. So I had him at seven, so not much higher, but um, I did have Isaiah Jackson at eight. So who did you have okay. at seven?
2: Okay, so yeah, on all of that stuff with O'Shea and I, Isaiah Jackson, that, that makes a ton of sense. That's actually like we kind of flip-flopped our arguments. So with uh, Terry Taylor and Neesmith, I argued for the guy that was more low-ceiling, high-floor. And then with Jackson and Brissette, you argued for the guy that was more low-ceiling, high-floor, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. Uh, so We're both being inconsistent a little bit, but yeah, I have Ijax and I have O'Shea in the same tier. Um, but at seven, I actually have Buddy. Oh, oh wow! Okay. You have him higher than that, I guess. Then <laughs> I have him much higher. <laughs> okay. Oh dang! All right. So, my issue with Buddy is not only an issue. He's I think he's very talented. Um, I am not sure if last year was just like a honeymoon thing. You know? Yeah. And he's he had the best year, the best like stretch of his career, more or less. I mean, maybe not like whole career, but like in very recent memory, his best stretch as a player. Not just, like, three-point shooting, like, everything. Assists, he was off the charts. Way more assists, way more involved, doing much more uh, as an offensive player than what he had been asked to do and doing it well. If he can keep that up, then he deserves to be higher than this. Probably, like, five, maybe. Um, My other thing is, like, I just don't think he's going to be here very long. Right, which like right. definitely a part of this part of this um discussion. So it's not really fair to bring that in into this. But um, <laughs> it's like I just I'm a pessimistic Pacers fan. I've seen us so many times uh pull a guy off of the team who had a hot year, or maybe he has a decent start, and then it just all falls apart for us. Uh, I mean, so many different times has happened in the last five, ten years when we bring in somebody like that. So if he's as good as he was last year, or better. He deserves to be higher than this by probably a couple spots, maybe. I think that like his best is what was what happened last year, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not going to get any better than that. And okay. not that you necessarily need to, but I can see the talent from other players that are left that I won't name just yet. Uh, yeah. And see how they could easily within a year or even to maybe this year, depending on development and how much we highlight them, could be better.
1: Yeah, so this is where it gets interesting because, like, maybe, maybe I'm not like clear on how I was like thinking in my head, like how I was ranking sure. these guys uh, when I when I messaged you what the exercise was. Because I'm also like thinking about like their overall talent right now on the roster compared to everybody as well. So, yeah. like, even like I would just say that I'm, buddy, quite a bit higher than you, and yeah. you'll probably laugh when you hear I have. Him, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I would just say this. Uh, defensively, like there's a lot to be desired there from Buddy. I'm not going to deny there's it. everything to be desired
2: there. Yes, everything.
1: Mean? So I will just say <laughs> that's that a big
2: part of why I have him seven is um, he's he's really good on one side of the ball, right? And then he's like bottom four on our team and on, on on defense. Yeah, bottom... he's he's
1: he's a pretty bad net negative on that side. Um, that, so... That's that's why it's hard when you're projecting and currently looking at their overall talent because if you look yeah. at same, like a large sample size, like. Even, even not just this season. Like when he played for the Pacers for twenty six games, you go back a couple of different years. I mean, he had some lights out numbers. Like, there is potential. Like, if the Kings were even like halfway good, he could have been like a six man candidate. Like, that's just how good yeah. he is defensively. Um,
2: well, I have him 7 six man well, candidate. I have him seventh. You could, you could make
1: <laughs> the case that he is potentially the most gifted offensive player on the team outside of Halliburton.
2: Yeah, you can. You so easily, yeah. that's
1: that's kind of why I'm at it because like. That dude can put the ball in the hoop, and so many. But I think you can ways. also
2: argue that he's like bottom two or three defensively, which is kind right. of why I am. Uh, maybe I'm pinging him unfairly for that. Yeah, or more than you are, I guess. Um, that was to me was like he almost couldn't be my top tier because he's so bad defensively.
1: Yeah, and I and I get that. It's just like I look at the rest of this roster and I'm thinking, who else is great defensively in the top seven besides Miles? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, you're, you're probably saying Duarte's a better defender for sure. Yeah, uh, he is. You're projecting that Matherin probably is as well, but that's where it's hard. So, like, for me, I just think Buddy's so good at shooting mm-hmm. and scoring that I have him quite a bit higher just based off, like, overall talent right now. Like, the Pacers probably aren't in as many close games as they were down the stretch when he came over if he doesn't oh, play. For sure. For and sure, I just, like, sure. I know defensively he's so bad, but offensively he's so good. So it's, like, trying to weigh those two, it's different. So. yeah. We'll just like laugh when we, when I get to my where I have Buddy at because say, it's like so funny. Yeah. But, uh, so your number seven was Buddy. Yeah. Now we're on to number six. Who'd you have at six?
2: So my six, this is where I have Isaiah Jackson. Okay. And I am projecting a good bit here is the thing. So it's like, I didn't, you mentioned earlier that you just, for the rookies, you projected. I went ahead for everybody. Like, what do I think gotcha. moving forward? That's a part of what talent is to me is like, not just how good are you now, but like, if you're really truly talented, you're going to keep getting better. So for me, Isaiah Jackson, the defense could be there. Um, it's not like he's a bad defender necessarily. I think he's inconsistent because he's young and he takes some gambles and that gets him stuck in situations where he's fouling or, you know, off like out of position defensively because he's trying to go for the big play. But once he gets things figured out, theoretically, he should be pretty good defensively. And I think that him and O'Shea together could cover almost one through five um which is really exciting but he also is the one guy that you're like who is going to be like with with or without Tyrese right so without Tyrese Isaiah Jackson is like nine
1: yeah probably
2: but with Tyrese you're like well he's going to get probably at least four lobs a game let let alone other things like maybe even more than that uh so it's just like it's hard to separate them, individ- you know, to talk about them in- as individuals. So maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves because I know Tyrese is going to make him so much better than he actually is.
1: Well, yeah. and I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, you said you're projecting for these guys. So like, yeah. like I said, I probably didn't specify exactly what I was doing. So it's not a big deal. Uh, no. It's nice to have variants too, like when we're talking here about for what, we're, sure, for sure. what we're doing. I, I will say this too, though I think McConnell can be really good for Isaiah Jackson as well. That's
2: true yeah. because he's
1: such a good passer and he's always looking for the open guy. Um, you know, I think Isaiah Jackson does have a little bit of the mid-range shot that he can knock down if he's able to take it. I just don't know if Carlisle is going to allow him to be put in that spot offensively to do that. So he's such a he's such a fascinating player. Like that's why I said like he yeah. could easily be like top three, top four if he hits all of his peaks because there is a ton of potential there that's still yet to be tapped into. And so it's really hard to project him. Like, like you said, like six is really, I think pretty fair, you know, maybe eight was a little bit on the lower scale for me, but it's, it's kind of subjective. It's in the same tier.
2: I can see Um, it both ways, honestly. So, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I I really do like him and I'll just go ahead and go over to my six real quick. Uh, This is where I have Jalen Smith and Jalen Smith. I really like him as a player, but it's a very small sample size with the Pacers last year. And I think he was a 13 and seven guy with pretty good shooting splits. I don't have the numbers up right now, but Jalen Smith was one of those guys where you're just like, wow. And then like, I think after his like first like month or so, he did kind of tail off a little bit here uh, towards the end. And I'm not sure if he is truly going to be able to fit at the four. Um, it'll be nice to have him playing alongside Miles because he's more of a perimeter player than Sabonis. So it'll add a little bit of different, optionality, I guess you could say, for the starting lineup in terms of how they want to utilize their big guys. But, you know, with with um, Jalen Smith, he's one of those guys where you're hoping that what you saw at the end of last season is who he can become or who he stays. And I think that that's probably the case. That's why I have him ranked higher than Brissett and Isaiah Jackson because he is going to be that starter. But at the same time, he even talked about it like he's got to earn that starting spot even though it's kind of been promised to him. Uh, For him to come back on a cheaper deal, I think that shows a lot of maturity for a young man to bet on the situation more than himself because he could have gone to the wrong situation, be out of the league in three years. So um, he felt like this was the right situation, the right place for him to gel and grow as a player. So that's why I put him at six, but I didn't want to put him any higher because I feel like it was such a small sample size. And the fact that he really couldn't get off the bench in Phoenix for a team that was trying to contend and win championships You understand it because he's a rookie, but at the same time, if he was a 10th overall pick and still couldn't get off the bench, there's something there that they probably saw. And I'm just hoping that maybe over 82 games, he can kind of be more of what we saw with Indiana versus what he was in Phoenix.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: Yeah, so I have Jalen Smith at five. Okay, so that's the last person in that, like next to top tier, and I think it's probably I'm probably being a little harsh on Buddy, and maybe he should be five, and then you know Jalen should be six, and Isaiah and Ocean at seven and eight. But I have Jalen at five because, so like his twenty one or his twenty two games with us, sorry, he played about twenty five minutes a game. He's gonna get more than that this year, probably more like thirty, maybe. He shot 53% from the field, 37% from three. Yeah. And had 13 points, 7.6 rebounds. So just in one block per game, I think that those are probably like at least the um the scoring and rebounding, those are probably gonna go up or stay roughly the same because the men's are gonna go up. Yeah. And so just given that if he can be even close, like maybe 35, 34, even from three. That's going to be really strong for him to to keep that as a part of his regular part of his game, not just be a fluke for 20 games. Um, now the same way that I'm you know adding into Isaiah through Halliburton, I'm doing a little bit of the same with Jalen Smith, because having him at the four with Tyrese as the point guard is going to help him a ton. And so maybe that's not fair because I don't think Tyrese really helps Buddy that much. Buddy creates mostly for himself. And Tyrese can find I think him. I
1: think he helps I mean, quite a bit actually.
2: Do you think so? So yeah. he, I mean, I mean, it helps him get open for three. So like for that part of his game, yes. But like the whole extra facet to Buddy's game of yeah. driving, getting to the rim, and then either creating off you know off the pass or whatever else, like those kind of things, Tyrese isn't. Unless you say he's pulling a defender, he's not really going to help that much. That with that that much, but with Jalen and Isaac and, and Isaiah Jackson, he is like directly leading to them scoring and mm. their offensive game. And so, if Jalen can be a solid defender, which I don't really know exactly what kind of a defender he's gonna be, <laughs> that's the question mark for me. um if he can figure that side of it out, then I think he'll earn his spot in that five six range. but that's the that's the biggest question mark for me,
1: yeah, I mean, we're not too different here in terms of where we have him ranked, and that's for why sure. you know we're like both kind of like we we were really excited for what we saw last year, I think, but we yeah. just want to see what he looks like. You know, because he was playing with Goga some. He was playing with IJack some. He was playing at the five some. So playing next to Miles, obviously, it'll be nice to have that rim protection. But I, I still think he's got to learn how to keep guys in front of him. And that's yeah, what's going to sure. be the challenge. And staying out of foul trouble as well, uh, guarding a yeah. different position. So for me, number five, this is probably going to be a little bit surprised here. This is where I have Benedict Matherin. Yeah, that's what um, I assumed. So, I, I, have, I have him at four. Okay.
2: So I'm only one spot ahead of you. <laughs>
1: When it came to projecting wise, I felt like I think this guy could be the number two best player on this team by the end of the season. Okay.
2: Yeah, possibly, yeah.
1: Right. You know, but like the we're projecting so much here, and I'm like, I can't go all so in hard on to that. do that. Um, I don't know what his role is gonna be yet. I don't know how many touches he's gonna get. I don't have any idea what that's gonna be. All I know is I'm hoping that he's a starter. I'm hoping that, you know, we see him grow as a defensive player and he can continue to be a lights-out shooter like he was in college and then like we saw in the summer league. But it's just there's guys ahead of him that I think have just proven a little bit more than him overall. So that's why I have Mather in five here for me. And I figured if I put him in the top five, um, it gives him room for growth. Sure, But it also, you know, I don't want to put him so high where I'm like, man, I'm setting my expectations too high for him but he's not a good ball handler right now. He's got to work on that quite a bit. There's times where I feel like he gets a little bit lackadaisical defensively when he's kind of like ball watching, um, but he's got the school, like the skills and the tools uh, to really become something special. So I think that if I was projecting, like, sure, he'd be number two on this list, no doubt about it. If I'm fully projecting based on where everybody's career, at now yeah. and like career, but I'm saying going into this season, I think he's probably the fifth best player um right now, but obviously it could jump even this year in terms of best players.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I have him at four. It's, it's an insignificant or, yeah, it's an insignificant difference there. Yeah. And not only do we not know if he's going to start, I mean, we can assume he's going to start. It makes all kinds of sense, but we know that Rick likes to mess with lineups and change things all the time and, and you know, figure things out. So we, not only do we not know if he's going to start, we don't even even really know what his role will be within the offense. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's so hard to say exactly what kind of a focus they're going to put on him, because we do have so many good young players. If it was just like him and Halliburton, then like it would be pretty obvious. But I mean, Duarte, Jalen Smith, a Jackson, O'Shea Brissett—maybe um, you have several people that are probably going to be—they're—they're they're, they're going to be trying to develop all these guys. So, how much do they weigh the investment of that high lottery pick into Matherin? I would assume that would be, you know, somewhere in that four or five spot. Uh, but we don't know all of that yet. We are definitely projecting a good bit on him uh, for now. But he's shown that he could do it. So,
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it, if the Pacers don't give him the opportunities that they should, then I think they're failing this season in well, terms yeah. of what the actual goal is. Because, like, sure, you could play a buddy 35 minutes a game and kind of feature him as your star shooting guard, kind of like, Similar to what when they had on, kind of like in that role as that, like, g- guy that can put the ball in the hoop, you know, offensively. And, yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I want them to get these young guys a little bit more of a chance to develop and maybe give, like, Buddy and Miles or whoever a little bit of a lesser role just so you have opportunities for some of these guys that need to develop. So, at number four, this is where I have Buddy Healed.
2: Yeah. I don't think that's insane. You were making me think you yeah, had him at, like, two. I was like <laughs> – yeah, two would be a bit much, but no. have um, I mean we are three spots apart, but like I understand your logic there and I think it makes a lot of sense. I just nicked him a lot more for defense than you did, I think.
1: Yeah, and and, and I was trying not to be too like critical of Buddy because it's really easy to be like everyone always goes, Oh, Buddy stinks, you know. If, if you talk well, you to know, anybody, he's,
2: he's super talented.
1: If you talk to anybody outside of like the Pacers that watched him last year, like, oh man, he's got way too much money on his contract, the Kings couldn't trade him for anything, he was a throw in this trade. He's not very good. Blah, blah, blah. Look, he hated Sacramento. And who wouldn't who wouldn't hate Sacramento? It's a terrible place to be. I mean, right now, it's probably the most exciting it's ever been. But before that, I mean, since they made the playoffs last time, it's been a a, a crap show over there. It's been a joke. So yeah. personally for me, I just I felt like Buddy Hill was a little bit under the radar as a player. I still don't love him, and I still don't think he really fits the roster based on where they're going. No. But offensively, like he can be so good. And I think this is why. So many people that have talked about that potential Lakers-Pacers trade, they've talked about, well, I'm really excited about Turner, but, you know, Buddy Heald, like that shooting next to LeBron and uh, it, uh, who was their uh, – who they just traded for, Patrick Beverly. I'm gonna say yeah. Bradley, good grief. Uh, it's like That's <laughs> such a flashback. That's a wrong defensive point, Kurt? uh But, no, Patrick Beverly, I'm like, you know, that could make some sense. And I think just because he's so good offensively, like defensively, like you're right, David, he sucks, okay? Yeah. There's no way around it. And he doesn't even try half the time. So – Like, but what he does, like, it's so hard to be such a prolific scorer like he is. I mean, I think he was like third in three-pointers made right behind. Who was it? Steph and who else was in that group? I know we had a group chat talking about that. Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. I don't remember now. But he was right up there with Steph. So it's like, super high up there, yeah.
1: He's an elite three-point shooter. Like, there's no doubt about that. He put the ball in the basket. He showcased a little bit more. So I have him at four, but... Um, I think we're going to be pretty much in line here with our top three. So, uh, yeah. number three, who do you get?
2: So, we'll see if we get them in the, in the right order. Okay. But my number three is Miles Turner. We don't. <laughs> oh, nice. So, that's so funny. So, especially as the Miles hater that you are. I know, uh, exactly, right? And I'll, I'll be sarcastic for those that you know, are listening here. People think I legit hate
1: him. I know,
2: it's it's crazy. But uh, I part of why I have Miles a little bit lower is... I can assume that he's going to be fantastic with Halliburton, but we haven't seen it yet. So there's a little bit of a question mark there. There's also the question mark of health, yeah, which is which is fair to say of Duarte as well. <laughs> but <laughs> he's looked, but he, but he's been healthy overseas, you know, the last few weeks, and he hasn't had any issues that I've seen yet. So maybe they were just being super cautious in summer league. I don't know. And I, you know, I don't know why he said that they were still being careful with the sh- with the toe in that interview after the summer league game. I don't know. But maybe now it's fine and maybe we'll be fine moving forward. But for Miles, it's a matter of like I've always loved him. I always wanted us to keep him over Sabonis, and I love Sabonis too, to be honest. But I thought that Miles was a better fit moving forward for the future of the league. Uh and I've always Thought he had a potential defensive player of the year in him if he could stay healthy, but that's always been a part of the question is can he stay healthy? And now it's a matter of like, at what point do the injuries start to change his like his uh, like future? Like, yeah, at what point do they start to like really show their signs in terms of him not being able to do what he used to do? And he's still young, he's not that young. He's what, he's 25, 26? I think he's
1: 26, yeah.
2: So he, you know, he's not as old as you might think he is, given how long he's been here. Uh, but he's never really quite been the three-point shooter we wanted him to be. He's been close. Uh, maybe maybe he'll be better with Halliburton getting, you know, getting him the ball. But never been quite the shooter we wanted him to be. Never been consistently aggressive offensively like he was in that Washington game early last year where he just destroyed them. I'm yeah. uh, sure Fauci felt very conflicted, but. It was. A, I said no wizards jokes from you.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You <laughs> won't listen anyway.
2: <laughs> so, you know, it's a matter of me of consistency, and I think centers, as we as we've said before, center is important, but it is not like the most important position. Yeah. And I think that the people that I have ahead are more important positions as well.
1: Yeah. So I'll save the Duarte talk for a little bit later. Um, sure. I have Turner yeah. at two, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I have Duarte at three, but we'll talk about Turner here since we're talking about him for year number three. I'll just say this. Like, the reason I put him at number two, I just looked at the large sample size. He's been a starter pretty much since he entered the league. Uh, Came off the bench a little bit in his rookie year, but eventually started next to Jan Mahimi, and they made the playoffs. So, personally for me, I mean, there's a lot of excitement when he first came into the league, and then, like, his second season, he had that big 30-point, 16-rebound game against the Mavericks in the home opener uh, back in like, I think it was 16, 17. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be awesome. And I was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, man, Miles Turner, what a steal. Like, we're really excited. And it's just been up and down. But the one thing that has never changed, um, he's always been an elite rim protector. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he's led the league in blocks the last two to three seasons. So, you know, never quite the defensive player of the year that you hope he can be, But you know he does positively impact the defensive side of things. And if you're looking at overall talent, like, yeah, I mean, he really is the second best player on this team. And in my opinion, like, sure, there's other things he could do better, for sure. Like, he doesn't have good hands. He's, you know, I think some people think he's going to be an all-star level player. I never really have saw that with him yet. He hasn't shown enough. Um, I would like him to be a more effective rebounder. You know, I talk about a lot of his flaws But when you look at what he provides, like defensively, like we talk about, I talked about Buddy's offense. That's why I had him so high. I think you can use the same argument in terms of defense for Miles and how much the team is better defensively when he's on the court versus when he's off. So even if you're a Miles hater like myself, (laughs) um, you can't deny that he's clearly the best big on this team.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: Without question. And with the way the roster is made right now, like, yeah, you can project, well, going can be better than him or Matherin's going to be better than him or Duarte, like you think, David, is actually better than him now or could be better than him, whatever. But I just feel like the sample size is much larger with Turner. He's proven it time and time again. He's a reliable starting option when he's out there on the court. He makes your team better defensively. And while there's things he needs to improve on, like three-point shooting, rebounding, better hands, it's also the case that everybody makes for him, the role that he's been put in. Fewer minutes with Sabonis out there playing in a weird situation. Uh this is his perfect opportunity to showcase what he can become. So if you're projecting for that, I mean that's something you could look at as well. Like finally sure. a chance to be the solo center, because he's really only had like one year of that, or two years really. So I just feel like um not projecting, but just looking at the overall roster right now, he's gotta be number two for me.
2: Yeah, I, I agree if you're not projecting. Yeah. So that's the thing is I projected basically with what I think everyone will do <laughs> in this season. So we, we did it just slightly different, which is why we have a few spots where we're just a little bit different. And that's why I do have Duarte number two is because I am projecting a little bit for him moving forward in, into this season um, based off what we've seen in the off season and what we saw last year. Um, so I think if you're just talking like right now, who's the most talented, not at all what they can do tomorrow or next year, but right now, I think Miles is number two.
1: Yeah. Um, for Duarte, yeah. I have him at number, uh, three. three, you have him at number two. Yes. So let's talk about him a little bit because sure. obviously last year up and down, like you said, with the toe injury, with the shoulder injury, he got banged up quite a bit, but I just felt like the fact that he was one of your better wing defenders and the fact that he comes into the league, I get it. 24 years old. I get it. Comes into the league, sure. drops 27 points in his season opener. rookie debut like that just blew me away i'm like okay this kid's the real deal and i really do believe he's got potential to have a clay thompson type role on this team now you can say that clay thompson's the third most important player on that warriors dynasty some would even say well if you had ran he's the fourth you know draymond meant more to the warriors than clay did but clay also dropped 38 points or whatever it was and like a game 6 against the thunder to force it to a game 7 like that's the kind of talent that clay thompson has so i don't want to sleep on him and like you know give too much um uh, you know project too much for duarte here saying he can be clay thompson but i think he has potential to do that because he can be a good defender he's a good shooter i think he's actually better with putting the ball on the floor than clay is i think he's quicker in that regard more lateral quickness uh, especially now with clays coming off the injuries like he's had but yeah for sure i i just feel like duarte is really a tip, your perfect 3 and D guy to go with Halliburton. I mean, you really, I mean, I don't even know if he's going to start, which makes it even crazier. So if he comes off the bench and he's your sixth man with Buddy starting, um, I feel like he's going to have more of an opportunity to showcase himself. But I don't know if that's the place I want him at if I'm looking at this roster. I would like him to start because I think he's going to have more opportunities to get open based off of the creation of uh, Halliburton and hopefully potentially Benedict Matherin.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You said a lot of things I was going to say, three and D guy, Clay Thompson, right? Like all those things. So a big thing, I, I hope they start him. Uh, they need to, you know, they they clearly see the potential in him. If they didn't, they would have traded him. So there were some pretty good rumored trades that involved him that might've gotten us some other players that we wanted. Yeah. And we just never pulled the trigger because we, we believe in him. So if you believe in him, you should probably start him because he needs that time to develop, especially if he thinks he's going to be a part of the long-term future. If you think it's going to be him, uh, Matherin, and Halliburton, then you need to have them play together. Yeah. You know, Maybe not the entire season, obviously not all of the, all of the time in you know, all of the different rotations, but starting the game, I think you need to have him in there. And even beyond that, you can sell it to Buddy as like, well, you'll be our sixth man. You'll also be like the guy off like in the bench unit who's going to get all of the... like The office is going to go through you with, with the bench unit. Because like, yeah, you can sure you maybe have TJ playing the one, but you would have Buddy be kind of the person that's controlling the flow of the offense, probably more um, as he did a lot last year. So I think that you know the projection for Duarte, even just, just even just this year, let alone moving forward the years on the line. He already was a solid player last year that showed talent in multiple areas. He got he has the clutch gene, he can shoot from three, he can shoot from pretty much anywhere uh he's good in the fast break he's good defensively like uh, there's not really much that I there's not really a whole lot that I don't think he can do at least like, like adequately right there's no like, glaring weakness other than the fact that he had a couple injuries last year so yeah. if that ends up being less problematic this year and we can kind of get him on the right track and get him his feet under him and get him going he couldn't really take off He's definitely a
1: high IQ basketball player. I I think we kind of saw that in the summer league two in the one game that he played. He kind of let Mather and do his thing and just kind of play it off of him and was kind of being more of a setup guy, which I like that aspect of his game being kind of a playmaker or just like a secondary playmaker, which could be really beneficial to a guy like Halliburton, you know, just having another guy that can help move the ball and get other guys involved defensively. I love, I love what I saw from him last year. I think, just him taking on some of the challenges of guarding a Jimmy Butler type of player or other or other bigger wings, you know, it's sh- it showcased what he can do. Eventually, you know, he's 25 right now. It's weird to say that about a second year player, but he's a little bit older, and uh, that yeah. could be a bit of a knock on him. But I don't think it really should matter at all. I, I think the Pacers, though, they know moving forward that he's probably not going to be their second or third best player on their roster moving forward, and he's probably more of like that fifth, sixth, seventh best player on a really, you know, good playoff contending team. So maybe that's why they're projecting him to come off the bench and start Buddy. But I I feel like if you look at what Duarte's potential is, like, it's pretty high. It it feels like he's always going to have a high floor, though. And it's not going to be, yes,
2: exactly. like
1: he's not going to be a bust. He's always going to have a spot in the league. And I don't know if you remember or not, but in Minnesota last year, he got ejected for arguing some calls with the referee because he was getting frustrated. It was one of like, the games I think Sabonis had like 20-some rebounds against Towns. It was like a oh, super, yeah. super fun game. Yeah. I think I don't know what, what happened to Miles in that one, but uh, he was not able to play to start it out. And it was just a lot of foul trouble for Towns and, and Sabonis going at each other back and forth. It was a close game. Pacers ended up losing. But, you know, I love that little bit of a fire from uh, Duarte as well. Like, it's okay to get mad and get ejected. Like, he learned from that. And – Whatever, but it wasn't like Gogo where he was butting the guy's head because he was mad about it. Yeah. So, I, I like the passion that he plays with and like the and one that he didn't get called for against the Lakers, like that big three point shot. Like, yeah. there's just so much to be excited for when you look at Chris Duarte's game. But this brings us to number one this is the no doubter, uh, Lance Stevenson. I'm just kidding, yeah, it's, Ty- <laughs> it's Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, obviously. Uh, obviously. Uh, I mean franchise player, best player on the team. There's no doubt about it. The guy they're building around, the guy they mentioned every time they said that uh, they when they called a free agent or whatever, hey, how would you like to play with Tyrese Halliburton? Halliburton, Halliburton. It's like uh, they can't stop talking about how much they love this guy and I don't blame them because yeah. he's that special. So I've talked a lot about Halliburton, David. I'm curious your thoughts on Tyrese.
2: Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's easy to just say, oh, he's amazing. And he, he is in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> I think that, for me, even though he's number number one, there are, I feel like there's a lot of fan buzz around him being like this MVP type guy in the next five years. And I think that as Pacer fans, we're so excited for the rebuild that we're a little hyperbolic with Halliburton. He mm-hmm. is an incredible player. He's incredibly talented. He's the most talented player we have right now. A Very good offensive creator. One of the best offensive players we've had in a long time. Defensively, he still has a lot of work to do. And I think he's so good offensively that he's still the best player on the team, even with his holes defensively. If he can put together the holes defensively a little bit, I think he can be someone that, like, maybe all pro second team, maybe third team. Yeah. And and not, like, now. Like, five, six, seven years from now, you know, down the line, when he's in the, like, end of his prime or in the middle of his prime. So, I think right now people are just so excited to have a player that gives you hope that we are a little hyperbolic on his skills a little bit, but yeah, he is the kind of player that gets you that excited. So I understand it.
1: Yeah. I, d- I definitely think that we are overrating him as a fan base a little yes. bit. No, I think yeah. so too.
2: Like people were mad that he was like in the, I don't, I don't know. We didn't use 2K ratings for this exercise, but I did see the Pacers posted it. So people were mad about his rating and I'm like, He's still really young. Yeah, he's he's not great at everything yet. Like, he's very talented, but he's not Michael Jordan. Like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, he's definitely got areas to improve upon, and we'll see those hopefully this year. I mean, we already know he's a great passer. You know, offensively, he's pretty gifted as can be. Defensively is where he's going to have to get better. Sure. And, you know, Fachi told him he was a good defender on the show and he's like, thank you. Everybody says I'm not, you know. And, uh, you know, it made him feel good, so I don't blame Fachi for saying that throwing that in there and patting yeah. him on the back a little bit, but yeah, uh, not? he's not a good defender. Uh, no way to put it. Like, he's so smart, though, that I think it won't be hard for him to, like, just kind of adapt some of these defensive type of schemes and, you know, defensive sets they want to do. Like, He can do it. He just – he's not – it looks like from the offseason, he's put on some muscle, which I think is very big for him. Yeah. And I I think one other area, too, it's like if he's going to be this efficient of a scorer, he needs to be putting the ball up a lot more than he already is in terms of field goal attempts because he can be almost too passive. Yeah. And if he's going to be the face of the franchise, you want him to at least be able to kind of put the team on his back because I felt like even last year – maybe I'm just kind of like overthinking it, but – I felt like if the game was semi-close, ball wasn't really in his hands with him making all the decisions. I know sometimes they put it in Buddy's hands, and I know that against the Kings, he dribbled it off his foot. Um, But I just want to see him kind of take over. Uh, He's got another leap or two to go to become an All-NBA player, uh, let alone an All-Star. So if he can get 20 and 10, though, for this year and showcase what he can do, I think that's really positive for him. But uh yeah, he's definitely a, a great offensive player that has a lot of work a lot of work to do defensively. And then offensively like you can really be nitpicky here David if you want, but it's like, you know, the shots not perfect. Well, who cares? It goes yeah, in um,
2: most of the time, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's like he can shoot from way out too, so it's like he's got range, he's got great, you know, um uh, got good floor spacing obviously. I'm trying to think uh he sees the floor well, good court vision. That's what I was thinking oh, of. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So, it's just the team is building around him. He's the best player for sure. You brought up the 2K ratings here, David. I have them up on my phone. Nice. Um, so they only have 14 players listed on the roster because, once again, we're not sure about Kendall Brown's status. Um, Kendall Brown would be 15th based on these ratings here. At okay. 14th, they had Andrew Nimhard, so they're okay. right there with us. At 13, they had Aaron Niesmith, right where you had him.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: At 71 overall, uh, Nimhard was 70. At 12, Benedict Matherin. Ooh. 73 overall. Um, this is why I kind of laughed. Laugh. No offense, but Terry Taylor was ahead of him. Yeah. At, at 11, at 74 overall. O'Shea set is at uh, 10. He's a 75 overall. Um, Gogo Batadze is 9. He's a 75 overall. Tyson McConnell, um, they're set at 8 and 7. They both have a 75 overall rating as well. So four okay, players. So four of those are
2: tied, back. yeah.
1: So it's kind of a tier. So it's not too, too off. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Smith was six with a tier uh, with a rating of 76. Huh. Isaiah Jackson was number five with a rating of 76. At four is where they had Chris Duarte at 77. Okay. At three, Buddy Healed 78. Miles Turner, number two, with 82 overall. And Tyrese Hollenburden with 84 overall.
2: Yeah. I actually think Buddy probably should be like an 80 or 81. I think so. Yeah. I don't I think know. 78's maybe, fine. Maybe they're, maybe they're just dinging him a lot for the defense like I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they had him third, though, highest on the Pacers. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, than both of that, us. that didn't surprise me because be part of my whole thing on this whole list that I'm projecting into yeah. this season. So they don't really do that. And, you know, they adjust it as they oh. need to. But so, okay. you know, and just, if you're just talking, you know, I think that Buddy, I can see him being the third or fourth highest oh. ranked on 2K. Yeah, and with Mather just
1: being 12, I'm just like, that's so funny to me. Like especially,
2: that's just, oh. especially below Terry Taylor and Goga. Like, that should be obvious that he'll be better than that. But
1: Yeah, know. so it's just interesting. Well, we'll see how those ratings get adjusted. I think that somebody even said they already fixed some of the ratings, but like O'Shea's game's not even in the face correctly. It was like a picture of Malcolm Brogdon, and then he posted what his like face looked like, and I think Miles <laughs> called him like, uh, Donovan Butler, put a combination <laughs> of Donovan Mitchell and Jimmy Butler together. Nice. It's just so bad. So I don't really get it. But that is how we ranked it, one, uh, one through 15. So uh, overall, with a little bit of projections, obviously, not in terms of like who fits with who, but we're just talking overall talent. So we'd love to hear from you guys and let us know what you think in terms of who you would rank. And you know, I'm sure I'm going to get some feedback from my Miles haters about having a number two. Uh, the haters can't say anything to me, though. Um, in terms of, uh, like me being a miles hater, the, the stands can't really get on to me cause I had them higher than you. So, um, with that being said, let us know, make sure you guys find us on social media where all of our, uh, content is at, you know, we got an Instagram setting the pace three we're over on Twitter at setting the pace three. Um, actually we're on Instagram at Pacers talk. I said that wrong. Uh, but we are on Twitter at setting the pace three. I'm at Alex golden NBA. Facci that underscore F-A-C-C-I. And then, of course, uh, we're rarely on Facebook and TikTok. So if you're not following us there, don't blame me. But YouTube, we need you to subscribe, okay? It's going to be a really fun upcoming season. So find us on YouTube, Setting the Pace, of Pacers podcast. And with that being said, David, if you are excited that the Pacers will be playing preseason basketball in three weeks, say these three words. In three weeks.
2: Let's go, Pacers.
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. And the pace going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We're gon' need a mop smooth. Mm -hmm.